This episode of The Winding Stairs is brought to you in part by Masonic Revival. High-quality products created by a mason for masons. To find some of the best examples of Masonic ties, bow ties, pins, and more, visit MasonicRevival.com. You have arrived at The Winding Stairs, a program dedicated to Masonic education and the art of self-improvement. I am your host, Juan Sepulveda, a professional artist and master mason, 32nd degree of the ancient and accepted Scottish Rite and Freemasonry. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Winding Stairs. I am your host, Juan Sepulveda. Thank you for joining me as we continue to explore the role that Freemasonry can take in our personal lives. And today we have a special episode because a dear brother joins me to discuss the importance of knowing ourselves. Brother Mike Chiavello is the author of Know Thyself, and he joins me to have a conversation about the importance of applying the lessons that we find in Masonry. It is not enough, as you've heard me say before, to just sit down and listen to the minutes and listen to the bills and listen to the uh, administrative portion of our fraternity. As important as those elements are, they cannot serve as a replacement for the search for light and masonry, which is found by studying, analyzing, and applying lessons of masonry into our life, into our real life. So I think you'll enjoy this conversation with Brother Mike Schiavello on The Winding Stairs. Today we have a special, a special visit from a dear brother who you might know from, from television. He is a television broadcaster and he is known as Michael The Voice Schiavello. For those of you who are fans of MMA, you will be familiar with who this brother is. But he's the sitting worshipful master of Daylight Lodge number 44 in Las Vegas, where he is based out of. Uh, brother Michael, thank you for being with us today. Brother Juan, great to be on here finally with you. I'm very excited to talk to you. Excellent. We were scheduled previously to speak, uh, but it happened to coincide with some hurricane down here in, in Florida. So, oh, just a little, little bit of wind. That was a little bit of wind and rain. It's fine. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> just a little thing. But thanks so much for your flexibility and for rescheduling with us. Uh, I, I've been looking uh, through, through your history and through some of the resources that I found online, and you have lived a fascinating life and one that has come with some twists and turns. And I wanted to hear from you especially about that first uh, twist that interests me the most when I, when I read that you had a vision that you wanted to be an architect. You wanted to go down the line of architecture, but something happened that changed the course of your life forever. Could you please tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I love telling this story. Uh, you know, when I was growing up, all I wanted to ever be was an architect. And uh, I don't know where I got the idea that I wanted to be an architect. I was really good at drawing. I used to enjoy drawing houses in graphic design classes at high school. Uh, I think I love the romantic idea of an architect. I was a kid who 
grew up with three sisters who were always watching the Brady Bunch. And of course, Mike Brady was an architect and he had this really cool den that he'd go into and do all of his architect drawings. And I probably thought as a kid, well, that's pretty cool. And his name's Mike and I'm Michael and maybe I can be an architect. But uh, that's all I ever wanted to be. And in Australia, when you get to year 10 in high school, you apply to do work experience. So you do a working week at a company that you think you may like to do as a career when you're older. So of course, I wrote away to about 20 architecture firms um, and sat by the mailbox for the next few weeks waiting for a letter to come back. Uh, these were the days before emails uh, to tell me I've been accepted to do architecture for a week in one of these firms. Waiting, 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 and no letter came back one. Not, not even a no letter, just no letters at all. Not a reject letter, not an acceptance, nothing came back. So it's literally like a week before I'm meant to get a placement for work experience. And all my friends are doing cool stuff. Some of them are going to doctor's surgeries. Some of them are going to uh, work in accountants, lawyers, officers, police stations, fire brigades. I'm crying to my mum. I remember it. I'm crying saying, mum, what do I do? None of these architecture firms have written back to me. There's like a week, a week and a half to go. I don't know what to do. And I'll never forget it. My mum looked at me and she said, you should do radio. I'm like, radio? What do you mean? I'm I have no interest in radio. She, she goes, you've got a good voice. Trust me, do radio. And I'm like, mum, I want to be an architect. She goes, just trust me, do radio. Write to a radio station. So there's a radio station I used to listen to called Triple M. I wrote to them and lo and behold, a few days later, I get a letter and I still have it at home back in Australia from a woman named Deanne Sloan saying, yes, come in and join us in our, in our newsroom. So I rock up to, uh, to Triple M and uh, I get there and I meet Deanne Sloan and she looks me up and down. And she goes, uh, what do you want to do in radio? I go, I don't. I want to be an architect. But my mum said I should try out radio. She thinks I've got a good voice, so I'm here. You're stuck with me for the next week. And she goes, well, I've got a good feeling about you. I think we're going to stick you in the newsroom with our journalists. See what you, see what you think. Okay. So I went in the newsroom with a journalist, and one, literally, as soon as I stepped in there, a light bulb switched on in my mind. Every thought of being an architect turned off. And all my thoughts and my passions and my imagination was geared towards media, towards radio, which later, you know, became a full-time career and still is for me. And I think it's just an amazing story of that sometimes you have to let the universe unravel as it should and you have to believe there is a higher power, there is a supreme being that has a grand plan for you that will unravel in its own time. And sometimes you have to have patience and you have to have faith that it will unravel for you as it would. And, you know, if it hadn't unraveled for me that way, it would have another way. And it led me to where I am today. And uh, it's just a story that will always stay in my mind. That is fantastic. And, and just to think that at such a young age, you must have been what, 16 or 16, yeah. 16 the rebellious nature of the teenager uh, is something that you think would have gotten in the way. And here, instead, you really listened to the wisdom of your, of your mother. <laughs> and gave it a chance. You know, the thing is, I think if it was listening to the wisdom of mum at that age, I didn't realise it. I think it was more desperation that there was like such a tight deadline and I had to do something. I thought, oh God, all right, just to shut my mum up, I'll do radio. But thank God, you look back now and hindsight is a beautiful thing and you look at the wisdom of your elders, you know, and it's something that I've come to appreciate in Lodge over the years. Um, interacting with so many elderly gentlemen in large elderly brothers, especially in my year as Worshipful Master, where I've gotten to connect with these old guys a lot more and a lot closer on a more personal level than I ever had before. 
And the amount of wisdom that these guys have is just astounding. They are fonts of knowledge that I will cherish and take with me for the rest of my life, no matter where I end up and where I go. And, uh, you know, a lot of people do complain about the so-called grumpy past masters of Masonic Lodges, but I'm so blessed when I'm sitting there in the East every week and I look out and I see at least 15 past masters every week coming to lodge. And we get numbers of our average attendance every week at our lodges is about 30 people. So we have really high attendance, 15 or so being past masters and the knowledge that they pass on to me and the wisdom. And it does remind me going back to when I was 16 years old and my mum having that sort of insight, that feeling, that inkling she had that that was the career path that I should undertake. And, and she was right. That's, that's excellent. And I do hope that some of the brothers that listen to this and, and watch the video, they, they put themselves in your shoes. They, we have a lot of brothers that are, and a lot of listeners that are not yet brothers that are in the young age in, in which they might not be as receptive to, to the advice of, of people that are older than them, more experienced than them. And I, I think it's encouraging to, to see a, a real life example of someone who gave himself an opportunity to, to listen and to follow. And, and it's something that's opened doors for you incredibly. It is. And I think also one a lesson is that when life presents you with an opportunity, take it, go for it, try it, do your best at it. I say to people that want to join Freemasonry, people that come to petition the lodge and they ask a lot of questions, which they should. Everyone who petitions the lodge should ask a lot of questions. And every member of that lodge you talk to, every Freemason should be able to answer all of those questions, especially the master of the lodge. But, you know, I talk to a lot of these guys and they have questions and like, well, I don't really know if it's for me, if it's not for me. This sounds a bit strange. This sounds a bit weird. And I always say, listen, do it. Be initiated. Take the first degree. If you don't like it, you can pull out. Mm-hmm. It's not a jail. It's not the mafia. We don't kill you if you, if you decide to withdraw, you know. Try it out. See if it's for you. I was the same when I became a Freemason. I had no one to sponsor me into Freemasonry. I didn't know any Freemasons. I read a bit of paraphernalia down in Melbourne that said Freemasonry makes good men better. And I thought to myself back then, why? And I thought, well, I'm a, I'm a good man. But if there's something out there that's not a religion, okay, and it's not a, a, a physical exercise pursuit like martial arts that can make me a better person, I'm all for it. I'll give it a go. And I remember going to visit the lodge. I, I rang the secretary of my local lodge and he said, come on down and have dinner with us. You'll get to the lodge and we'll be upstairs doing our thing you wait downstairs for us, be there at nine o'clock. So I rocked up at about 8.30, always early. And I remember sitting downstairs and hearing upstairs this noise, knock, knock, knock. And then the playing of organs. And then a few moments later, I'd hear three more loud knocks on what sounded like a brass knocker on a wooden door. And I'm thinking to myself, what the hell is going on up there? I'm, I'm, I'm freaking out a little bit. The shuffle of all these, these um, feet and then these old men dressed in their finest tuxedos, three-piece suits, bow ties, coming down the stairs. I didn't know if it was for me. But there was something in my gut that told me, Michael, follow through with it. So many great men have been Freemasons. These guys you're meeting here today are such fonts of knowledge. Just go through the first step and see if you like it. And then even when I was, you know, becoming master of the lodge, when I became senior warden of the lodge in Las Vegas, one of the past masters said to me, he goes, Michael, are you ready? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, no worries, I'm ready. He goes, no, 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 are you ready? This is a major step. Are you ready? And I actually had to think about it. Like, was I truly prepared? Was I truly ready? And a part of me, which is that... uh, I guess they call it the, the flight or fight syndrome. Wanted to fly away. Wanted to go, oh, 
maybe I'm not ready. You know, worship hall master is a big thing. There's a lot of memory work, a lot of responsibility, both inside the lodge room and the politics and egos outside of the lodge room. Maybe I just want to stay senior warden and say, you know, someone else can be master next year. But I took the plunge. I did it. I, I, I bit down and... It, it's one of the greatest decisions I made because I've, I've, I've relished my year. And again, coming back to just saying that if you have opportunities in life and the door is knocking, open that door, walk through it and see what's on offer. And don't forget, if you don't like what you don't see, you don't like what you see, you can always pull back, but at least give it a shot. Exactly. Because you, you'll never know. If you don't give yourself that opportunity to try something, you'll, you won't know if it was for you or if, if it was the, the actual door that would lead you to other opportunities. Right. And like Freemason does one, you know, no one ever pushes you through that door. When you're about to become an entered apprentice, you have to knock on that door of your own free will and accord. No one else can knock on that door for you. No one else can push you through that door and get you started. You're first made a mason in your heart. Okay. Then you enter the lodge room and you go through the the, the, the ritual. And really, I think that uh, pertains to everyday life. Everything you do in life is your choice. It's no one else's choice. We have the choice to do this interview right now. We, I could have said no, you could have said no, but we mutually had a choice to do this interview. We've opened the door ourselves. We've taken this step forward. And I think that that Masonic teaching of knocking on the door of your own free will and accord and it having to come from your heart first should be applied to most everything you do in life. And if you could apply that to your everyday daily life, then I think you're in a, in a much better position. Don't ever let anyone force you into anything and do things that come from the heart. They don't come from the ego. They don't necessarily come from the mind. They don't come from thinking with the wrong head. You know, they come from the heart first. And that's really going to be a good guard at the, at the West Gate. It's really going to be a good bouncer, a good tiler for you to know what's right and what's wrong before you, before you go forward and, and undertake something in life. The Winding Stairs Freemasonry Podcast is sponsored in part by Masonic Revival. I have seen many Masonic ties in the market, but the tie selection for Masonic Revival is among the best out there. I am sure you have seen some poorly designed ties with poor construction and materials. Not these ties. Brother Edgar has an impeccable sense of style and he has put it to the service of the craft. In addition to elegantly designed ties, Brother Edgar has a collection of bow ties and complimentary pocket squares that will round up your look. If you have been looking for beautiful, high-quality Masonic apparel, look no further. Visit MasonicRevival.com One of the early books that, that you wrote, which actually is one of the books that that made you a bestseller author is the the book uh, bouncer can you tell the, the brothers a little bit about the experience of writing that book because you're you're taking here uh the your life experience and putting it in front of of the world could you tell us a little bit of how that experience was so I wrote Bouncer in 1999. I was uh, 23 years old, I think, when I wrote it. And it went on to become a bestseller in Australia. Uh, John claude Van Damme actually had the rights to make a movie of it uh, before he had a falling out with his uh, ex-manager. So that sort of uh, went by the wayside, but we were very close to getting it made into a movie. What, what, at the time, I was working in a, in a, a publishing company. I was editor of uh, nine uh, sports and lifestyle magazines back in Australia. And the general manager of uh, one of the magazines that I was working for 
was a bouncer by trade on the weekends. And every Monday morning, he'd come in the office and tell me these fabulous stories about bouncing in the doors of the hottest nightclubs in Melbourne and, you know, mixing with hottest women and with celebrities and getting into scraps on the doors. And I thought to myself, man, we should put this into a book. This would be a great book. You know, let's do it. I'd never written a book before. It's something I wanted to do. And, um, you know, we, we decided to put it into a, a little book that sold a whole lot and got some great publicity and national television coverage and the rest of it. But once again, one, it was a case of something feeling right in my heart and me taking a plunge and extending myself a little bit above the ability that I thought I was capable of. Just seeing if I could go that extra step up and expose myself and expose my writing to a greater audience via book form, which is not an easy thing to do. It's not easy to write a book, let alone put it out there and put a piece of yourself out there to the public where people can, can judge you and criticize you and review you positively or negatively. And, um, you know, doing that project gave me the, 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 uh, the, the confidence to go forth and write several more books, you know, leading up, of course, to the, the book that I have out now uh, called Know Thyself, which we'll chat about a bit later. But once again, it's all about ex new experiences in life and knocking on that door and then pushing that door open and really embracing it. And, and I say this to, to the brothers at Lodge too. It's like, um, you know, sometimes lodges have problem putting people through the chairs, especially when there's a lot of older brethren in the lodge and not a lot of young guys coming through. You have a problem filling chairs. And a lot of people that have been mastered don't want to be mastered two, three or four times. But I say to the younger guys after they, they, they are raised as master masons, I say, listen, become a junior steward, become a senior steward, even slip into the junior deacon chair. Do it for a year. See how you like it. Because although you can go off onto the appendant bodies, Scottish ride, York ride, become a 32nd secondary mason, become a Knights Templar, that's all fine and dandy. But sitting in the chairs and progressing your way to the east really is a marvellous learning experience. And I've learned more from progressing in the line, going through to the Oriental chair, than I have being a 32nd degree Scottish Rite Mason, than I have being a, a Holy Royal Arch or a Knights Templar in the York Rite. And uh, you know, I'm always encouraging people, step a little bit out of your comfort zone, but know that there's people in the lodge that are there to help you. You're not doing it on your own. And it goes back to that work experience uh, story when I was 16 years old there were people at that radio station that knew I was a wet behind the ears green kid they were willing to help me out and help me fall in love with media my mum was willing to drive me there every day you know drive me home every day and then for the next two years mum was driving me to cover football matches soccer matches do community radio station every Saturday and Sunday that's what I was doing while my friends were out partying and losing their virginity and getting drunk on the weekends <laughs> mum was driving me around that's how I built up my experience and it's like anything in life if you're passionate enough about it you want to build as much experience as you can and i think we all need to get a whole lot more passionate about everything we do just as you're passionate about this podcast i'm passionate about my work on tv you and i are both super passionate about freemasonry and that's one of the most beautiful things you can be passionate about in the entire world because freemasonry is life and life is freemasonry Absolutely. No, that, and that's beautiful because you, you find, if you can find something that you can be passionate for, how great it is that it is something which the focus of it is to make you better, whether it's sports, religion, or Freemasonry, putting that passion behind that that's going to fuel you to get to the next level. And while you've hit a real important nail on the head, <laughs> you know, since the book came out a month and a half ago, I've done a lot of radio interviews. I did a TV show in Boulder, Colorado a couple of days ago with uh, Sean Stone, Oliver Stone's son. And uh, 
everyone is asking me the same question. They ask by saying, what is Freemasonry? And to me, Freemasonry is a path of self-improvement. There are many paths of self-improvement available to us human beings, okay? Some people choose to do martial arts. Some people choose to do yoga. Some people do meditation. Some people um, embrace religion. Some people take extracurricular studies or studies of higher learning outside of high school, college studies, short courses, etc. All of these paths of self-improvement lead to one common destination. That is the ignition of your divine spark, recognizing who you truly can be, ascending above your brute animal material nature to be a more spiritual being in connection with that higher power, with the source from whence you came, reconnecting with that higher place. That's the, that's the end game of martial arts, of yoga, of schooling, of religion, of Freemasonry. Freemasonry is just another tried and tested proven pathway to igniting your divine spark. So when I hear you say that, that passion plays a big part in that, yes, you're exactly right. Mm -hmm. We need to be passionate whenever we seek to improve ourselves, no matter what the path of self-improvement. If it's martial arts, great. If it's yoga, great. If it's Freemasonry, fantastic. Mm -hmm. And that's the path that I can best help people along, and I love doing that. Yes, and we appreciate you doing that. Uh, we in the, in this day and age, of course, we see so much negativity around us, and there's so many things that can bring us down, that can bog us down, and and feed our insecurities, feed our our, our doubts. So it's very good to see young men like you who are passionate uh, about what they do and and put their energy into something that is not just going to improve. This, what you're doing is not just going to improve you. It's, it creates a surplus. It, it creates something that now you can give other people. You can move other people to also uh, start finding their potential and finding that thing for which they can be passionate. Uh, it, the other day... Here, do I Sorry, Juan, I lost you for a moment. I'm back now. There you go. I got you. Sorry, Matt. That's okay. I, I was listening to... There's a gentleman I listened to uh, called Grant Cardone. He's a, a business... Uh, a business motivational speaker. He he's an entrepreneur. That's his, his main thing. And and one of the things that he was saying that when you actually find the thing you're passionate for and you work hard at it, uh, you are fulfilling that uh, contribution to society. And it's almost unethical for anybody to sit on their hands and not pursue that thing for which they came here to do. And I agree with you totally. And I think that if you don't undertake what in your gut your gut is telling you, then I think you, 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 you're basically slapping God in the face because he gave you this talent, the supreme being, the creator, the great architect of the universe in his grand design infused you with this talent. No matter if the talent came easily to you or you had to work hard for it, either way it was in that grand plan. So if you don't act on that and you're not passionate about it, then really, you know, you're insulting the, the grand architect, you're insulting that supreme being. If you become a Freemason, okay, don't just go through the rigmarole of rocking up to lodge every week, you know, looking on your phone, just drifting around, eyes gazing about. Get immersed in it because here is one of the greatest learning institutions that has ever been devised by man and you're a part of it. Mm. So why wouldn't you embrace it and let it take you to all the glories about your life that it can possibly show you? And 
you know, in the three blue lodge degrees, as we call them, the guts of Freemasonry, first, second, and third degree, is all the learning you really need. One, there's a lifetime of learning and then more that you can't possibly get through an entire lifetime. So it's not only a passion, it's a portal of education that is never ending. It's a flame that will never be extinguished. Freemasonry is something you can learn for 10 lifetimes and you still won't comprehend it all, but you will be nourished both in mind, body, and soul by it. That's, that's excellent. I, I do hope that brothers take this to heart and they, they really focus on dedicating the time, the attention, and the energy into those first three degrees. And I agree with you 100%. There is so much available to us within these three degrees that it, it, in a sense, it is, it's unnecessary for us to go outside and look for, for other, other things instantly. I tell brothers, take the zeal that you have for masonry right now and focus it on the three degrees. Try to extract as much wisdom from it as possible and get from the elders and the experienced brothers around you as much information about how to apply those things to your life. And I agree with you totally. You know, um, I'm trying to push for Grand Lodge of Nevada to, to, to have a rule that states that you can't join an independent body until you've been at least a year as a master mason. You know, and, and that's something I'm very passionate about. I, I raised two Master Masons over the last three weeks at Daylight 44 in Las Vegas. And I said to them, I said, brothers, you can go into Scottish Rite and York Rite now if you choose. But trust me, do your Blue Lodge. Study the first, second and third degrees. Watch as many of those degrees as you possibly can. Study your ritual book. There is so much in there. I, I, I see brothers post on, on, on forums that I read and on Facebook that they sort of fob off the ritual book. My ritual book is with me everywhere. It's, it's not only just a ritual book for Lodge One, it is a life guide and people are not seeing it. You read those lectures, read the obligations, look at the floor work, even look at the opening and closing of a Lodge and what the principal officers say and the other officers say as they open and close a Lodge and find the true meaning behind that and you are going to find so many answers about life in that ritual book and so many people just say, wow, it's just a yeah, it's a bunch of words. It's written old-fashioned words, and that's really not the heart of masonry. But you know what it is? That's what we follow. All the lessons are there. Mm. You know, you just have to be able to look at them and see them. And really, masonry is an onion. You've got to peel back layer after layer after layer so you get to the center of it. No one's going to hand you Freemasonry on a silver platter. Mm. No one's going to go, here's the knowledge. It's all here. It's all written down in black and white. There you go. That's it. So long, and thanks for all the fish. You've got to study it for yourself. You've got to be immersed in it for yourself. And that's where the true beauty of Masonic teachings come from. That's excellent. And I appreciate that you've taken the time to actually put these, uh, these thoughts into, into writing because it gives an opportunity to so many people, Masons and not, to get a glimpse at what the experience of Freemasonry has done for you and for so many people around you. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about um, about know thyself for the brothers that have uh, that might be interested in, in knowing more about it? So um, there's the book there. It's called Know Thyself: Using the Symbols of Freemasonry to Improve Your Life. Uh, it's now available on Amazon. You know, um, I've always been a big advocate, as I said earlier, that I believe that Freemasonry is a path of self improvement. Um, self improvement for us freemasons but also the lessons of freemasonry can be applied to non-masons non-masons can can use masonic symbolism to help improve their own lives and help them start to ask questions and pick at the holes and look at the so-called chinks in the armor of their own life so i thought why not put 
a lot of the knowledge I've gained in my meditation on and analysis of Masonic symbols into a book and let people who even aren't Masons read this book and garner some knowledge from it. So, you know, you go through this book and there's, there's chapters on uh, the common gavel, on the point with a circle, on the tiler, on the cable toe, on the 24-inch gauge, on silence and secrecy, on the pencil, uh, on the skull and crossbones, the all-seeing eye, the letter G inside the square and compass, um, you know, the beehive, the winding staircase. And I take all these symbols and I really break them down and study them also, not only from a Masonic perspective, but get deeper even more so into a scientific perspective as well and really see that these symbols are more than what is just written in our ritual book. It is important what's in that ritual book, but it is only a very basic outline of the true teaching of Freemasonry. Okay, when you look at a symbol like, uh, let's say, uh, the 24-inch gauge, and we taught that it's, it's to measure our time, okay, divided into uh, three equal periods of eight hours each for service to God, service to yourself, service to your labours, refreshment, etc. But really, it goes so much deeper than that. And you've got to believe that the, the founders of Freemason, Freemasonry and Masonic ritual in particular must have been absolute geniuses to realize hundreds of years ago when these rituals were written that time is the most valuable commodity we have on this earth. And therefore, they allocated the 24-inch gauge as the very first working tool you receive as an entered apprentice. Not the second, not the third, not the fourth, not as a fellow craft, not as a master mason. It's the very first. Why? Because above all the riches in the world, above all the money, above all the jewelry, above everything else, you can't buy time. Okay, you're only given so much time. It is more valuable than anything. And this is what they're trying to tell you. Okay, that you've got to prize time and use time above everything else. And okay, you can't necessarily break your day down into those three different aspects that it teaches because you might think to yourself, well, who's got eight hours in the day to dedicate to God? I'm not going to go on my knees for eight hours a day when I'm a busy working man and be praying to God. Maybe I have five minutes at bedtime to pray to God or I've got five minutes in the morning to say my prayers. I haven't got eight hours in a day. But you see, that's a misinterpretation because it should interpret it as something that is pleasing to God. That's what that means, okay? Now, if I go home and play with my child and teach him how to draw and how to write, that is pleasing to God. If I go home and my child's begging me to play with him or write, this, write, write, write a sentences for him or read him a book and I'm sitting there watching TV, that's not pleasing to God. So 24-inch gauge is teaching you that. Do stuff that's pleasing to God, but also do stuff that looks after your health during refreshment, but also do things that mean you're working for a living as well. You're not just sitting in your ass collecting welfare and letting the world go by and relying on the goodness of others and other people's taxes to pay for your life. The 24-inch gauge you know, admonishes all this and a whole lot more. And I, well, I just, I, I can't fathom again how genius those brothers were who invented this, that put this as the first working tool. And you see a lot of people don't realize when they get this work tool as an EA, don't realize it's the very first one. I think, oh, well, that's just random. It's just they give me that as the first one. They could have given me the, you know, the chisel or the gavel or, or, or any other working tool. But no, they gave you that one for a specific reason. 
And through the book, through Know Thyself, it takes every one of these symbols and really breaks them down and really, really analyzes why they're in Freemasonry, what they truly mean, and then how they can help you to improve your life. At the end of every chapter, I've got a life application as to how you can use that symbol to improve your life and also series of questions that if you ask yourself these questions and answer them honestly, then by the end of reading the book, you're really going to be a lot more in tune with knowing exactly who you are, where you need to go, where you are trying to go and how to get there in life. That is beautiful. And and I, I really appreciate that. As you know, I am passionate about the application of masonry. It, It makes no sense for us to have the privilege to have access to these tools and the wisdom of the ages and for us to just squander it. Putting that to work is what makes a Mason a Mason. Uh, a, a Mason is a man who builds something. And we're, if we're not building men, if we're not building a society, a community, then we're wasting our time. Exactly. And the main thing we build and we are building is yourself. Okay. The main thing we are building is our personalities, we are chipping away at the superfluities, using that common gavel. And, you know, I, I, I did a lecture at my lodge on the common gavel and asked the brothers, so what does the common gavel mean to you? And a lot of them were like, well, it's the, the gavel that the master uses to wrap the lodge. And I go, well, yeah, that's, that's an, an operative use. But symbolically, what does it teach you? You know, what's the deeper meaning of it? And some of them struggle to, to answer it. And really, when you get down to it, the common gavel used, as it says in our ritual, to chip away at the... Uh, remove the superfluities from our life, okay, really comes down to willpower. The common gambler's willpower. And, and, and you have to pick up a gavel in your hand and you have to physically use a gavel when you're a worker, when you're chipping away at stone, when you're chipping off those rough edges. Those rough edges of your personality are all your vices and superfluities in your life, your greed, your ego, okay, um, any addictions that you have, you've got to gabble those away. You've got to chip away at them. That's what the common gabble is. It's called a common gabble because it's common to all of us, not just common to you and me, Juan, because we're Freemasons. It's common to the person walking out there on the street. It's common to the big businessman. It's common to the street sweeper. It's common to the school kid, boy or girl, whoever it may be. It's for everyone because it means it means willpower and it won't pick up itself. You're not given a... Uh, a saw, an electric saw that you can plug into a socket. You're not given a chainsaw that you plug in, turn on the power and, and, and chip away at that rough stone. You're given something you've got to take in your hand. You've got to take possession of and physically use it yourself. That's the same with your willpower. No one else can do it for you. You've got to say, hey, I've got to take hold of my own willpower. I've got to show strength. I've got to chip off those rough edges myself. No one else can do it for me. And again, it just comes back to the genius of these symbols and just realizing what they truly mean and how they can apply to our everyday life, not just life in lodge. That's excellent. I, I love the, I love your energy, and I, I love that you've shared some of that with us here on the the winding stairs. But I want to be respectful of your time. And as we as we say goodbye, could you tell brothers who want to learn more about you or find where to get a copy of your book, where is the best place for them to go? Sure. Thank you, Juan, for the, uh, the opportunity. Uh, probably Amazon.com for those in the US, Amazon.co.uk for those in the UK. Um, it it's, was a number one hot new release on Amazon uh, two days after it came out, which I'm very excited about. 
Uh, the book is called Know Thyself, Using the Symbols of Freemasonry to Improve Your Life. It's got a great forward written by uh, UFC Hall of Famer Pat Miletic. For you UFC and MMA fans out there, uh, Pat Miletic, Hall of Famer, one of the greatest UFC fighters of all time, is also a Freemason. He is also a sitting worshipful master of uh, Bettendorf uh, Hamilton Lodge number 634 in Bettendorf, Iowa this year. I'm really thrilled that Pat and I are on the road every week uh, commentating the fights on television and we get to visit lodges around the country. We get to talk about Freemasonry every week and practice and rehearse our stuff as worshipful masters on the road every week. And I'm thrilled that he wrote the forward for the book. And, uh, you know, hopefully brothers and also non-Freemasons can get a hold of it. Have a read. Let me know what you think about it. I'm available on Twitter at Chevello Voice, on Facebook as well. And let me know your thoughts on the book. And I really do hope you enjoy it because, uh, you know, I think it's a book that can draw a lot of people to Freemasonry and really open a lot of people's eyes who have always had misconceptions uh, about Freemasonry and have, you know, taken the path of the tinfoil hat wearers, the conspiracy theorists over the years and, and the anti-Masons and not bothered to actually research for themselves what Masonry is all about and what Freemasonry can do for them. And I think this book really does open that up to, uh, to, to the general public, which I think is a good thing for our craft. It's something I'm very passionate about. And we are thankful to have people like you, Juan, who are putting the word out there every week on your podcast, on the other podcasts you do, on the, uh, the Facebook page that you run with your fabulous artwork, your lectures, uh, your online workshop series as well. And this is what Freemasonry is. Don't ever be afraid, anyone, to wear your palpin, wear your ring or rings proudly and let the world know you are a Freemason. You belong to a time-honoured institution of great people over hundreds of years, stretching back even thousands of years. Be proud to be a part of that. And when someone says to you, what is Freemasonry? What do you do? You should have a ready answer. And know that Freemasonry to each of us is something personal. It may be something different. But if it's like me, then Freemasonry is a path of self-improvement, just like martial arts or yoga or meditation or maybe even religion or higher learning. And that's the really basic good answer I think you can give to people. But always, as we said earlier, it should always come from the heart first and foremost, as with anything you do in life. Brother, those are very good words and I, I appreciate all of them. And I say one thing that I also appreciate is the the beautiful irony and the fact that you ended up being an architect after all (laughs) in the hands of 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 brothers to to help and construct this this edifice of society so thank you I finally got there Juan I finally got there (laughs) (laughs) you did it (laughs) I absolutely enjoyed every minute of my conversation with brother Michael Chiavello You can see the amount of passion and energy that he has, and you can sense that in his book as well. A very inspiring piece of work, and I'm very grateful that he he put his thoughts and his energy into words to share with many brothers and many people interested in masonry. You can find his book, Know Thyself, on Amazon.com, and I have included links to that on the description below. I'd like to say thank you to Billy Mace III for providing some of the music that you've heard here on the show. To listen to his entire collection, I invite you to visit infinitethird.com. Special thanks again to Brother Edgar of Masonic Revival for providing the sponsorship of this episode, which is one of the ways that makes this program possible. Another way that you can help 
us continue this program is to visit thewindingstairs.com and browse through our selection of Masonic art, regalia, and apparel. I'm very excited about a collection of Masonic t-shirts that I have been working on for the past few months and some of them I've made available for lodges to customize with their own lodge name. If you want to take a look at that, I invite you to go to thewindingstairs.com forward slash my lodge shirt. As always, may your steps be firm and your path illuminated as we continue our journey up the winding stairs.